0: Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith together. We'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. Together, for the next 30 minutes or so, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. No, we're not necessarily experts, but rather fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win and find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing We're coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministry studios here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I am joined by Harrison Zuckerberg, our key analyst here at Fantasy Football Fellowship and fantasy coach, and and glad to have him a part of things. Let's say hello to him. He is coming to us from Texas. Harrison, how are you? Let's get things started. What are you convinced of as we are days away from the start of the NFL and fantasy season?
1: How are you doing, Bryce? I'm excited to be here. So excited for the NFL season to start this year. It feels like forever since we've been able to watch an NFL game. And it's been even longer since we've been able to go to one with COVID from last year. I'm super excited to be able to get back into stadiums and actually watch some football. What I am convinced of for this upcoming season is that Ryan Fitzpatrick will make his first ever journey to the playoffs and lead the Washington football team to a division title. Now, they won the division last year at only 7-9, and nine, and there's a lot of questions going into this year. You see Philadelphia has a new quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Dak Prescott's coming back for Dallas. The Giants have made some moves, but I still don't really believe in anyone else in that division, and I like what Washington has done with their team. I think bringing in Fitzpatrick is huge for quarterback play. They got a great O-line and young running back in Antonio Gibson. I think they're going to be able to control the ball really well. They got great receivers in McLaurin. They brought in Adam Humphreys and Deami Brown as a rookie, as well as Curtis Samuel. And in my opinion, they have the best defense in the league, historically great D line. I think they're going to be causing a lot of problems for the opposing teams of the division. I think they are a team to sleep on to make it into the playoffs. And we saw how well that they played Tampa Bay in that week one matchup of the wild card last year. I think they could even make it even further than just the first round.
0: All right, that's strong. Out of the gate from, from Harrison. And so he'll, he'll be along with us throughout the season. And so we will be bringing this show to you each Tuesday. So we'll, we'll do the show on Tuesdays following the NFL weekend. And so we will respond and react to, to what took place uh, each week throughout the season and then give you some, some guys to keep an eye out for on the waiver wire. We'll, this is going to be key. Throughout the year, it's always important to know when to give up on players, and when to hang on a little bit longer. And so that'll be a key thing we'll focus on throughout the year as well, because I know as as a fantasy owner, it's always that uh, you're always wondering, you're like, all right, is this guy going to break through? I thought he was going to be awesome. I drafted him in the fourth round. Is he, is he going to finally turn it around? We'll, we'll offer our, our insight and opinion on that. And hopefully that helps you uh, at some point during the year as well. And then of course, knowing who to pick up on the waiver uh, waiver wire is always crucial as well. And so, Starting next week, we'll, we'll, we'll get into a lot of your favorite uh, segments from last year. We're going to add a couple of new segments as well. Uh, we'll do I'm Convinced. We'll do Peace or Panic. We'll do some fantasy shenanigans. We'll always hold each other accountable when we mention something on this show and that that player or that team doesn't live up to what we said. We'll own it, and we'll, we'll, we'll respond and, and talk about it. and And then also – the key part of this podcast, what makes this show different than than most, is that we are going to talk about Jesus, we're going to talk about our faith, and we're actually going to start with that. And so we'll do, we'll do I'm Convinced usually to get things going, and then we will jump right into the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. This is a, a book that I wrote for fantasy owners, for fantasy leagues, to read throughout the season. And so there is one session per week. So today we're going to dive into week one and next week we'll dive into week two and so on. And so if you have not ordered your fantasy football fellowship playbook, I encourage you to check that out uh, on Amazon or you can go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com. And, and so today's topic is all about what is your perspective? And, and so as you listen to our show, we're going to share our perspective on fantasy football Right, I'm viewing it through a lens. I'm a Panthers fan, so I'll keep a close eye on the NFC South. Uh, I'm a big running back and tight end guy. That's what I value. I value drafting really good running backs and really good tight ends. Wide receivers, I'll find them. Late in the draft, pick them up on waivers throughout the year, I'm good. Quarterbacks, I like the guys at the bottom this year. I'll talk about Stafford and Tannehill, the guys as far as starting quarterbacks. Those are the guys I, 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 my perspective this season is that they will overachieve where they're being drafted. And so what makes fantasy football so fun is that we all have a different perspective. Some of us value uh, quarterbacks more than others. Some really care how you know, healthy certain guys are. Like for me, I avoid people. If, if I hear the word hamstring, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with that player. I don't want to deal with hamstrings. <laughs> that's that's my my perspective. Uh, you know, last year I had Ezekiel Elliott on my team. This year I don't want him. If I got the third pick, I'm not taking Ezekiel Elliott. I didn't take him uh, this year. And, and so that's my perspective. And so today, as we look at the fantasy football fellowship playbook, how does this relate to our own lives? Well, the question becomes day to day: what is our perspective on life, and through what lens are we? viewing life? Are we viewing our decisions? Are we viewing what we value? And it really comes down to two things. We either live through the lens of the Bible, God's way, or we go, you know, look through the world's view or our selfish, our own, you know, our own perspective, (laughs) whatever we can make up in our own ability. And, And so that's that's what it comes down to. And each day we choose, we choose to view our problems through the lens of scripture, or we view them through the lens of the world. And so what happens? That leads to either peace or panic. And, and when we make decisions whether to, to do the right or wrong thing, it's either I want to obey God, I want to follow his way, I believe that his, his way is best, I believe that he created the world and he knows what he's doing, and, and so he's gonna lead me and guide me on the best path, or the perspective of, eh, I know best, and I'm just, I just want to do what feels good, what feels right, what I want to do, what makes me happy. And that's going to be the perspective that I make my decisions on. And so we all face this. It's a it's a moment by moment, daily decision. What perspective are we going to live our lives by? And and of course, we can't you know, get fully into the mind of God, but he's revealed himself to us in Scripture and when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit lives within us to illuminate and show us what is right, what is true, and which way to go. And so will we yield to that perspective and follow that, that perspective? And, and so you know, what is our mindset and, 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 and who, what is our approach Uh, day to day here's our our couple verses for today in Colossians it says if then you have been raised with Christ seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on earth and so it's that eternal perspective as well what's going to what really matters in the long run what's going to matter for eternity or is it temporary. Are we going to look at temporary things, worldly things? And then in Philippians, it says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And so our perspective on fantasy football, it's going to affect our season, but the perspective that we choose each day affects our eternal lives and it affects our, li- our lives here as well. And so since our behavior displays our perspective, we must decide if we want to think and live for the now or in view of an immeasurable hope that is only found in Jesus. And so that is our perspective here at Fantasy Football Fellowship. And so as we approach this podcast, as we approach the fantasy season, it is through the lens of the Bible and following Jesus and how can we bring more meaning and purpose to the fantasy football season. How do we look at the parallels in fantasy and life and encourage one another uh, throughout the year, especially here on this show? And so uh, that's the encouragement. If you would like to join us on Thursdays at noon Eastern, uh, you can be a part of the Fantasy Football Fellowship call, virtual call, where we, we unpack these topics a little bit more. Um, and then if you want to use these books, uh, this book, within your fantasy league, do that. Get your guys together and say, hey, let's, let's meet for 30 minutes. Let, let's meet for an hour virtually or in person. Uh, you know, one-on-one with somebody in your league. Uh, check it out. You know, then you have that conversation. What is your perspective? Okay, here's my perspective on fantasy. What's your perspective on life? And, and how, do you, how do you approach certain things? How do you approach marriage and kids and work? What perspective and viewpoint are you looking through? Uh, what lens are you looking through? So, uh, so there you go. That's, that's session one from the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook and uh, Harrison, any, any quick thought before we, uh, we jump into uh, some of the big fantasy topics for today. No, I'm ready to get going. I can't wait. This is
1: the first week that we can actually talk about real football being played this weekend. So I'm, I'm ready to hop right in.
0: All right, here we go. So we'll, we'll start with this. What guys have you flipped on since? So we did three episodes uh, really right before fantasy draft season, before the preseason And, and so I'm curious what guys you flipped on and then which guys have you continued to stick with since, you know, kind of early in the draft season that you really bought into. And then as the the preseason went on, as we got closer to the season, you started actually drafting players. Who are those guys that you really stuck to? And so I'll begin. And the, the biggest flip for me was James Robinson. And so going into this year, I thought, man, with, Travis Etienne, I just – I with Urban Meyer. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what this offense is going to look like. And, and so I decided not to keep James Robinson. And I really – I haven't drafted him. I've got one more draft. We'll see if I can get him. But um I wish that I, I would have kept him at this point because – He's he's going to get volume like he's got, Car- Carlos Hyde's okay, but he's a backup type player, and and so now Robinson's going to get a decent chance. I still don't buy into the Jags, but uh, that's one guy that I've I've flipped around on, and then the guys that I've stuck with, Damian Harris in New England. My my love for him is only intensified as Mac Jones takes over as the preseason went on. I'm liking what New England's doing, and and I'm really excited about him. I've got him in multiple leagues, and then I'm still riding the Cole Komet late round tight end flyer. Um, and so I, I like his potential. Nothing has wavered, even though he, he got banged up in, in preseason. Um, I'm still high on Cooper Cup. I think him and Matthew Stafford are going to be a great connection this year. And then I'm still on the TJ Hawkinson uh, tight end bandwagon. I I don't want to get, I want a top five tight end. And, and so if Hawkinson is that one guy that you can get a little bit later than the big three, I love it. I'm in and I can't wait to see what he's going to do as the number one threat in the Lions' offense this year. And so I've I've stuck by him uh, throughout the the drafts. What about for you, Harrison? So two
1: guys that I switched my opinions on after watching some of the preseason games are both veteran-wide receivers on new teams. The first one is Marvin Jones on Jacksonville. So I thought, you know, we were talking about the young receivers and the young team that Jacksonville is with Trevor Lawrence. I thought he was going to look to those guys like LaVishka Chennault is one guy that a lot of people were picking to break out. you know, DJ Charks another young receiver there. But if you watch those preseason games, Marvin Jones was the guy that he was targeting consistently in those games. And that's kind of the thing for, you know, young rookie quarterbacks is finding that veteran that can be a nice safety blanket for quarterbacks on third downs. And the same thing in New York with Corey Davis. You know, a lot of people were excited about Elijah Moore and the hype he was getting out of old miss in in training camp but when you actually watch the preseason games Corey davis had a great connection with zach wilson early on and i think that's going to continue throughout the season there are two guys who i've tried to pick up in leagues who i weren't really high on before and then guys who i'm also excited about and i'm sticking with like you said damian harris I think now that Cam Newton is gone, you know, the one thing you were worried about with Damian Harris was, oh, will he get the goal line work? Will he get touchdowns? Because Cam Newton always loved to sneak it in and run around the goal line last year and took away a lot of touches in the red zone for Damian Harris. You know, that's not really Mac Jones's game. Now, I think Damian Harris can have a great season being that power back in the New England offense and then really – like leaning on the run game and him again. Another New England player that I'm sticking with and I like, I think I have him in every single league so far as my rate, my late round flyer is Jacoby Myers receiver for New England last year. You know, during the back half of the season, he was a top 20 wide receiver and that was with not catching a single touchdown pass. Again, another guy, if you look during the preseason, Mac Jones liked to throw to him. And I think he's going to be that guy who lines up in the slot that Mac Jones can trust. And he's just going to get a lot of receptions, a lot of easy yards. And look, if he had zero touchdowns last year and was good, you know, having like three or four touchdowns for a wide receiver is terrible, but that's even an improvement. And there's even more points for him to come that way. If the offense improves in new England,
0: New England is fascinating because we kind of, you know, after last year was disappointing. I think they're going to bounce back in a big way. And I I think we'll have multiple players that, that are fantasy relevant, and, and maybe a guy or two that we were not even on our radar yet. Um, you know, Stevenson, a lot of people noticed in preseason, the, the backup running back, I think he'll be good at, at times, too. Uh, of course, you hope Harris is healthy, but, but he's another guy to keep an eye out for. And then James White's always reliable. We'll see if Mac Jones maybe relies on him a little bit more, too. So uh, I'm, I'm, buying, I'm buying New England. Uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, and then, let's see, there was one other guy I was going to say. Oh, Corey Davis. I, I'm in on Corey Davis as well. He was huge for me last year. He was like a waiver wire pickup. So there's always like that one guy. I was talking about it during one of my drafts. The, lo- the, the loyal guy, when he got you out of a bind or he came up big like on a Monday night game, Corey Davis was that guy for me last year, so if I can snag him in fantasy drafts, I, I like him. And and I avoided the Jets for the most part, other than Corey Davis. He's the only Jet that I would that I would draft. Um, and so uh, and, and even heading into the season, I'm not necessarily real high on them, but I think Zach Wilson's maybe better than than most people thought, including myself. And so Corey Davis should should get some volume there for sure. All right, let's go through uh, our our most undervalued and most overvalued players going into the season, and and this just kind of, uh, for you as a listener, lets you kind of into where we're coming from and kind of what is our perspective as the theme of the day heading into the, the season. And so for me, here are, here are four guys that I think are undervalued. One, David Montgomery, running back for the Bears. People keep talking about how, oh, his schedule is too easy at the end of last year. Stop. Get over it. He was legit last year. He's only, he's in his third season. Tariq Cohen, we don't know when he's coming back. Now, Harrison, you're a Bears fan, so you can jump in in, in a moment. But uh, but I'm in on David Montgomery. I've got him in multiple leagues. I think he's so valuable. I mean, the way he, he slipped in drafts was crazy to me. So I like what he's going to do. Uh, I also I, I think Josh Jacobs is undervalued. I think everybody got all excited about Kenyon Drake. When was Kenyon Drake this unbelievable player? Like a few games here or there, but I, I just don't buy the Drake hype. Like he's just replacing Jalen Rashard. That's it. Jacobs was still a relevant starting running back last year in fantasy. And he's going, you know, he went as an RB2 all all during the, the draft season. I think he'll be more valuable than that. He'll either equal what, where you drafted him or be better. And And so – I'm, I'm I just have been surprised with how much he, he's gotten disregarded. Again, another young running back. All right, I got one more young running back, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. It's the Chiefs. You want Chiefs? I think Jarek McKinnon looked good, and, and he's got like a shot at that kind of veteran out of nowhere, getting new opportunity, finally healthy. But Clyde Edwards-Helaire is going to get the first shot at it, and I think he's I just think he's under undervalued. And then my last one, a wide receiver, Russell Gage, Atlanta. They're going to have to throw the ball. They're going to be losing all season long. They're going to be throwing a ton. Now, Kyle Pitts is going to be an unbelievable player. The talent is there. But will it be year one? Will it be week one? Probably not. Like I, My guess would be it, it's going to take some time, but who knows? Maybe he's unbelievable from the moment he says go. But uh, but I would think that Matt Ryan's going to be looking for somebody else besides Calvin Ridley, and it's going to be Russell Gage. And Russell Gage was good last year. He fizzled a little bit toward the end of the season, but, man, I think he's good. So those are my undervalued guys. Harrison, what about for you? So one guy who
1: I think is really undervalued now, he was before, but even more so now that he's a starter, is Gus Edwards on Baltimore. I mean, you know, it's terrible what happened to J.K. Dobbins, but being the starting running back in the probably the best running team in football is going to be super valuable, especially when you get around the goal line and you have him. He's a huge guy, super powerful running back being able to come in. Like, if you remember a few years ago how good – mark ingram was when he was the main guy in this offense with lamar and like he was at the end of his career at that point gus edwards is right in his prime and i think is better than mark ingram was i think he's gonna have a huge season now with the injury to uh jk dobbins
0: yes and and uh gus edwards was undervalued going into the draft like with jk dobbins right because he's yeah, just so sorry. efficient yeah and he's still been undervalued. And then the, the other injury to the to the our other running back, his name escapes me at the moment. But um, Tori's Achilles. So so Gus Edwards is going to be getting uh, justice. Um, what's his name? I can't justice think his Hill. Justice Hill. So he's out with an Achilles injury. And so now Gus Edwards, I'm right there with you. That's a that's a huge undervalued steal, and could put, could be potentially a league winner for yeah, people for sure. I think, he, I think he's that good. He's got that much of an opportunity. All right, keep going.
1: Uh, another guy another chi- yep another chicago bear uh allen robinson i yeah. mean This guy, he just produces every single year. And that was with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles throwing him the football. I mean, they're saying Andy Dalton's going to be the starter for week one, but I don't know how long that's actually going to last with how good Justin Fields looked in the preseason. If Justin Fields can get in and this offense is clicking, you have Allen Robinson, who's really just a dominant receiver, but has had terrible quarterback play in the past. If he can actually get a good quarterback in Justin Fields throwing him the ball, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for him in this offense as well. Um, and then another guy that I'm looking at is uh, quarterback Tom Brady. I think people are sleeping on him just because of how old he is. But this Tampa Bay team is going to be one of the best teams in the NFL regardless. And just look at the weapons that he has around him. I mean, you have... Uh, Mike Evans you have Chris Godwin you have Antonio Brown OJ Howard Gronk you have Giovanni Bernard coming over in the passing game like it it, it doesn't like who are you who
0: are now yeah think about Scotty Miller and how good he was last year he's their fourth guy now I know.
1: Like, who are you going to double cover? Everyone on that team with single covers, the defense can only guard so many people. I think he's going to have another great season just by, you know, playing within the game script and being a game manager for them. And then another guy, you know, a game manager who's I think really undervalued is Kirk Cousins. I mean, from a, a team standpoint, the Vikings aren't really that great, but Kirk Cousins threw for 35 touchdowns last year. I mean, he was top six in the league in touchdowns. That's something that's very valuable as a quarterback who really no one is expecting to have a great season this year. But everyone's still returning for that team. You still have Justin Jefferson, still have Adam Thielen, still have Dalvin Cook. I mean, I think it's still going to be a great offense. And Kirk Cousins is just going to get a solid baseline of points every week just from being the quarterback there.
0: I love that you said quarterback Tom Brady. Just just so we know what position he plays, I love that. That's awesome. Uh, so speaking of old quarterbacks, you know another guy who's undervalued is Ben Roethlisberger, and and I I rode the bandwagon last year. It kind of cost me toward the end of last season because he fizzled. But this idea that we're going into the season where everybody's high on Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and then to a lesser degree Juju, but those are their three wide receivers. Two tight ends, which are are pretty nice. Najee Harris is going to make that offense so much better this year, as we—that's what we're anticipating. And the, yet, Roethlisberger, people are like, "Man, nah, I don't want Roethlisberger." Well, guys, somebody's throwing those receivers the <laughs> ball, so he's going to be putting up big numbers. I, I really believe that. Now, will he be a top, you know, five quarterback week in week out? No, and, and will Harris steal some of the goal line work? Potentially, but I think from a yardage standpoint, I, I, as a backup quarterback on your fantasy roster, I think Roethlisberger can, uh, can, be, can be valuable this year and definitely undervalued uh, in regards to most people's perspective.
1: Yeah, and people worried about Najee Harris coming in and stealing all of the work. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger was an amazing quarterback when Le'Veon Bell was there and he was getting 20 carries a game. So they had teams where they ran the ball a ton and he still put up big numbers. So I don't think that Najee Harris should actually take away from Ben. But if anything, just help him and create more opportunities in the passing game because defenses will be worried about focusing on the run.
0: No question. That's a that's a great thought. So the other side of that is, okay, who are the most overvalued guys heading into the season? And for me, I got two. Jalen Hurts and Noah Fant. Now, I'm rooting for Hurts. I like him. And, and it's kind of funny because I, I like the receivers on the Eagles and, and they have a chance. But I've just been surprised with like looking at fantasy rankings all offseason with how high Hurts has been ranked. When it just feels like the Eagles aren't like fully bought into him. And there, we didn't see like a ton last year to, to warrant saying, oh, he's a top 10 quarterback. I guess I'm just a little more hesitant. Like, I wanna see more, I wanna see what the offense looks like with Nick Siriani. Uh, I want to see what the the running game is going to look like with Sanders. There's there's kind of been some – he's probably in some ways undervalued too, but there's just kind of been a lot of question marks surrounding Sanders. And then all these receivers are young. They have no veteran receivers. And so we're, we're putting a lot of stock in them too. Um, so I'm I just a little hesitant with Hurts. And then with Noah Fant – The guy's always injured. He hasn't done anything yet in his career. Yet he's always like, oh, he's the guy. He's the guy. Every single year between him and Mike Gasicki, and Gasicki finally had a good year last year, and Fant had a couple good games last year. It's like those two tight ends every year in July and August they are the most hyped tight ends, and I avoid them. I don't want them. So maybe this will finally be the year for both of them to take this big leap, but I find them to be overvalued. Do you agree? Who are your overvalued?
1: I I agree with both those takes as well. One guy who I think is extremely overvalued is Mike Davis on Atlanta. Now, I know there is something to be said for him having pretty much the keys to that backfield there and not having any competition in the running back room. But in my opinion, this is going to be a team that's going to pass the ball a lot because they're going to be losing a lot. And he's not going to get as many carries as people think just because of the game flow and how they want to play. I mean, this is a team that I think they had the most pass attempts in the NFL last year, or second to most with Matt Ryan, and they brought in Kyle Pitts. Obviously, they want to throw the ball, getting him instead of maybe an O-lineman or something to help the run game. So I just think that he's someone who, yeah, he'll have a few games here and there, but I don't think he's going to be consistently involved enough in the game plan to warrant the fantasy pick that people were taking him at this offseason.
0: And you and I were high on Javion Hawkins heading into the season, and they cut him. I know. And he they cut up, him. It was funny. So he ended up in Tennessee and I watched a lot of preseason football because I, I just had a baby and just watched a lot of TV holding my little baby. But I watched the Titans preseason and Hawkins was actually good for them. I think he scored a touchdown like right out of right after they signed him. So I don't know what happened in Atlanta for them not to to keep him, but I've been waiting to see, okay, who's gonna pop in Atlanta. That could end up surprising and, and even going past Davis. It hasn't happened yet, yeah, um because Allison was was cut too and and so um I thought man oh, maybe he'll be the guy so I, I I'm with you, I'm hesitant about that whole run game uh in in Atlanta, but Arthur Smith, you know that new head coach uh, what what's that gonna look like uh, coming from a you know a great running attack in Tennessee with uh Derek Henry. so um, so we'll see about that all right. Let's go uh, real quickly. Let's see how much time do we have. All right, let's go to our waiver wire stashes. So either guys that, that you, know, you want on your roster or guys that after week one, you feel like everybody's going to be running out to, to pick up on the, on the waiver wire, uh, either this week or we'll even say just throughout the season, somebody that, that's at the top of your list to, to really keep an eye on. I've got two. Um, I mentioned the, the question marks surrounding Miles Sanders. So I like Kenneth Gainwell. I like the rookie running back in Philadelphia. It, you know he's being compared to kind of Naeem Hines, and and I, I like having a, a PPR type running back, third down running back, fresh legs, young player um, that could potentially steal some carries, but but steal some catches, whether the the starter is there or not. And so I think Gainwell has some value now, and then if th- if anything did happen to Sanders. Gainwell, along with Boston Scott, I think would both be pretty valuable, but um, I'm leaning toward Gainwell. We've kind of seen what Boston Scott can do. I'm not sure he has that next gear, whereas maybe Gainwell does. And then the other guy, another one of my preseason guys, Tony Jones Jr. in New Orleans. Let's go. This guy was unbelievable in preseason. Does it translate? I don't know, but it was enough reading a lot. I was, I've been following him and, and Latavius Murray in one of my leagues. I'm stuck with both of them because I can't, I don't want to release Murray yet because. He's been valuable even alongside Kamara, so. Um, but I but I buy more so into Tony jo- Jones Jr. So that's my my running back to keep an eye on uh, for sure. He's the type of guy that could be even more like he could fill in for Kamara and actually put up maybe not you know, Kamara's on another level, but but really good production um, if that if that happened to be the case if if something happened to Kamara. So uh, Harrison, what about for you?
1: so my strategy going into this off season was unless I got one of the top quarterbacks I was probably just going to stream the position throughout the year and pick up guys off the waiver wire but with one exception to that I took Trey Lance in the back of every single draft because I know at some point he's going to break out become the starter and be a stud but until then I'm really riding this you know playing quarterback matchups through the waiver wire throughout the season so for the first couple weeks and especially this week what I'm looking at is Kirk Cousins like I mentioned before going up against the Bengals a pretty bad defense and the other guy I'm looking at starting in some leagues is Sam Darnold you know he's playing the Jets his old team I think in Carolina they're going to have something to prove about maybe wanting to pad his stats a little bit more and, and show the Jets that they missed out on him and didn't use him properly so I think that's a good matchup for Sam Darnold um, and like I said Kirk Cousins too if you don't have a quarterback to go get those guys and I think you can start them this week and they'll give you good production another guy who I like a lot is Marquez Callaway. You know, he was a guy in the preseason where you saw his connection with Jameis Winston. That was Jameis's guy, and Jameis is starting Week One against the Packers. Um, And Michael Thomas is out, so Marquez Callaway right now is the number one receiver on that team. You know, whether they score a lot of,
0: I'm surprised. and he's I, as much hype as he
1: should be. I, I'm with you. Sorry. I know. And I know he was taken in the back of so mine drafts, but a lot, he's still there in the waiver wire. Yeah. And that's a guy where even if they play really poorly against the Packers, he's going to get probably like seven, eight, nine targets just because that's who Jameis is going to throw to. Maybe he catches a deep bomb or something like you don't know. He looked so explosive in those preseason games. I think he's worth a flyer. Uh, and then another tight end who, if you, know, if you didn't grab one of those top tight ends, you need a guy. To start week one, I think Anthony Furkshire on uh, Tennessee playing the Cardinals the first week of the season. Cardinals don't really have a great defense uh, either, and he was someone where after they w- let Johnu Smith walk in free agency, a lot of people were like, "Oh, are they going to go get another tight end? Why they let Johnu Smith go? He was so great." But they decided to stick with him, and I think that shows something to how much they believe in his talent there. And he's always been involved, but has always just been. Behind people on the depth chart. But the fact that they're giving him the starting job, I think that, you know, he'll get a couple catches and maybe a touchdown against the Cardinals, which is always something you can look for just from a flyer tight end. Uh,
0: interesting. I'm, I'm not necessarily high on him. My my big waiver wire is uh, Cole Komet from a tight end standpoint. And then one receiver to mention, Rondale Moore. Maybe he was drafted in, in a lot of your leagues, but if he happens to be on the waiver wire, keep an eye out for him because he could be the number two weapon in Arizona. I'll opposite of Deandre Hopkins, Uh, you know, Christian Kirk's, uh, you know, he's had his moments at times, uh, but they went out and drafted this guy early. So they, they're high on him. He's a rookie wide receiver. And, and then AJ green just doesn't have enough left in the tank. So they they brought him in Fitzgerald doesn't look like he's coming back to Arizona. Maybe he'll go bounce on, you know, another team somewhere. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where, where he shows up uh, if he shows up, but, uh, but anyway, in the meantime, Rondale Moore is somebody – that's a high-powered offense. We know that. Like they – Kingsbury, that's what they want to do. Uh, throw the ball, move the ball, lots of plays. And so Moore could, could get some uh, – Good, yeah good opportunity
1: i think what's really interesting about Rondell Moore too was if you watch those preseason games they were looking for ways to get the ball into his hand other than just being a receiver he was such an explosive athlete they were lining him up in the backfield you know giving him quick screens trying to get the ball in his hands and see if he can do something so i think that's that's a situation in arizona where you know maybe he's not getting the same target numbers and volume that other guys are week 1 but all it takes is for him to break off one 50 yard touchdown And then everyone's going to want to get him the next week. So you want to have him before he does that. So you can keep him on your bench and then start him after he gets that increased role.
0: Yeah. And I would go like, if you're looking at your bench right now and you've got like some, you know, veteran guy that we kind of know what his ceiling is. I would almost even, I would almost drop like Cole Beasley, like, Yeah, Beasley. Like Beasley, in some ways, is underrated, but at the same time, it's like, eh, I don't know if I trust him again this year. Um, I would drop him for Rondale Moore. Like, I, I, I like the potential there. Somebody, somebody along the Cole Beasley lines. If you have a guy on your
1: bench who week one you're not starting. And is not a like a rookie or someone with high potential. is just a guy, but he's not even good enough to start for you week one. Just drop him and pick up Rondell Moore or another rookie who you think could possibly break out. There's no reason and keep him on the team because you know getting five points from a guy on your bench isn't worth anything when you could possibly have a breakout player there before anyone else does.
0: And as much as I love Jamison Crowder last year, like I just don't think he's necessarily as valuable this year. Um, so that's another type of guy. All right. He, real quickly, some, some big storylines to, to watch, really like week one and just early in the season that will end up revealing a lot about the season. We'll start with the wide receivers. To me, the, the teams that have three stud wide receivers, I want to know who's going to be targeted the most. Who, you know, who's the, the best, who has the best connection, the quarterback wide receiver situation? So when it comes to Oakland, like is Ruggs going to be the guy is Edwards going to be the guy or is it going to be uh, our our boy from uh, from Clemson um Hunter what's his name I can't think Hunter Renfro Hunter yeah Renfro. I've got a baby at home so well,
1: did you did you hear the story about Hunter Renfro burning Jalen Ramsey in one of the joint practices they had I love
0: it I yeah. love it he's underrated he's very top underrated.
1: 10 receiver in the NFL can't <laughs> guard him
0: <laughs> So, so one of those three guys, though, I think will emerge. Like, will separate himself. That's that's my my gut. Which one will it be? I've got rugs. I have rugs on one of my teams. Um, and then the Panthers. Like, will DJ Moore truly be the star stud wide receiver? Or will Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson have a better connection? Or will Terrace Marshall actually be the best receiver of the three? It's possible. So I'm very intrigued. Of course, I'm a Panthers fan, but, uh, but those three guys are all legit. And will it be a different guy every week? Or will Sam Darnold hone in on one guy in particular? Uh, a similar question in Dallas. We, we think it's going to be CeeDee Lamb. Will it truly be? And will Dak be healthy? And, and how well will that, that passing attack look? Or will they rely on the run with, with Zeke? And how well does Zeke run? So I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Um, the Rams... With Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and the the running game with Stafford, I think I'm all in on the Rams. So I think it's going to be really good, but but who's going to shine there? Um, the Bengals, three wide receivers that they like that they're that are young. Tyler Boyd's the most reliable, uh, but uh, will Jamar Chase actually catch the ball? He did it in preseason, <laughs> so will he catch the ball in the regular season? I'm intrigued by that. Um, and then my last one, the Steelers, which I kind of mentioned, you know, three three different guys too. Uh, will Deontay Johnson continue to be the the favorite there? So, uh, what about a a big storyline for you that you're keeping an eye on for? So one
1: thing that I'm looking for week one is just how the Patriots perform overall as a team. I mean, this is a team last year, people started to like write them off because Tom Brady left and they finished seven and 10. Cam Newton wasn't great, but they made a big commitment to Mac Jones to just cut Cam Newton and start him week one. And they have a lot of new additions on that team like Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, plus their defense. They had seven guys opt out because of COVID last year. You know, they get Donta Hightower back, who's really the leader of that team in that defense. I mean, they're playing the Dolphins week one. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they perform as a team, especially with Belichick as the head coach, well-coached team. I think they have a really high ceiling this year if they can get everything figured out with all these new additions. Um, and then I'm looking at QBs who were injured in the offseason and didn't really play in the preseason at all. So we're going mm-hmm. to Dak Prescott. They keep talking about his injury saying, oh, it's nothing, it's fine, but we're going to tell you everything's fine, but then send him to a specialized doctor because we don't really know if everything's fine. And we yeah. don't really know. So look and see does he look rusty? How does he look week one coming out against a really good defense in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And also Carson Wentz, you know, he was injured all offseason. We were given this, you know, five to 12 week timetable, but now he's ready to go for week one. So are they rushing him back for injury? How's he going to look? And that was already a storyline, what it was going to be having the Carson Wentz Frank Reich reunion in Indianapolis. But now they're doing it with an injury added on top. That's just a ton of question marks there.
0: I, I am I, Sorry, I'm in on the Colts. I love the Colts. And I'm in on Michael Pittman Jr., That's the guy that I I want. I like Jonathan Taylor as well. I like Hines. I like all three of those guys in particular, Uh, especially with T.Y. Hilton going down. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to surprise some people, and and I think he'll be a very valuable guy in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's another one of those wide receiver rooms you were talking about with Michael Pittman and you know T.Y. Hilton, uh, Paris Campbell, who's going to be the alpha there to step up? And I think the last game to look at, is what the Saints do against the Packers. I mean, obviously the Packers, you know how they're going to perform. Aaron Rodgers is coming back with all the offseason distractions, but it's still Aaron Rodgers It's still the Packers. But from a Saints perspective, no Michael Thomas week one. Like we say, we're talking about Marquez Callaway. Who's going to catch the ball there? You know, Jameis Winston's first game starting again as a QB, and then the wild card here is Taysom Hill. Because aside from Alvin Kamara, Taysom Hill is really the second most dependable option in that offense from a production standpoint. So do they run this 2QB system with him on some plays? You know, do they put him as a running back, a tight end, a wide receiver. I want to see how involved Taysom Hill, even though he didn't win the starting job, is involved in that offense with uh, New Orleans against the Packers week one.
0: Yes, that Jameis could surprise a lot of people too. But he also could lose a lot of the goal line work and some of the touchdowns to, to Hill. So, so that, that'll be interesting as well. Um, all right, last thing, uh, uh, the other big storyline, the running back committee situations, you know, the Dolphins, does Gaskin, is he truly the guy or will they share the ball uh, in a committee? Denver, will, w- at what point does Javonta Williams take over and, and Melvin Gordon step away? I was listening to somebody yesterday It's all in on Melvin Gordon thinking he's going to have a big year. So which, which one will it be and, and how quickly uh, will there be a change? San Francisco. Moster, you know, he's, he's an unbelievable running back, but they got Trey Sermon. So how quickly does he take over and, and, and make a name for himself? And then here's an interesting one, the Detroit Lions. We all expect them to stink, right? We just, ah, they're not going to be good. Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, we don't know, head coach. DeAndre Swift didn't play in preseason. He's been injured. But we forget, last year, he was really good. He's a really young, talented running back. What if... He surprises everybody, and he's a top ten running back this year. I think it's possible. A lot of people have hyped up Jamal Williams, and okay, he was good in Green Bay, uh, but that's a Green Bay offense. Is Jamal Williams really this guy that's going to like come in and like steal carries from DeAndre Swift? I'm not so sure of that, but but I'm I'm curious. Early in the season, and it might take Swift a little little bit of time. Um, and if people will be patient with Swift, I have a feeling he could end up emerging as the season goes on. Um, and then uh, one other thing here are the guys I'm most excited. And I'll let you jump in and give me, give me two names. Um, the guys I'm most excited about on my teams that I've drafted this year, Austin Eckler. Can't wait to see him have a big year. George Kittle bouncing back. Both those guys coming back from injuries. They're hungry. They're ready. Uh, I like Jonathan Taylor taking the next step at running back. And then Matthew Stafford, Ryan Tannehill are my quarterbacks this year uh, that I'm riding. I think they're, I think they're going to, be better than than people expect, um, and Tannehill is always underrated every year, year after year. He's underrated, uh, and then with Stafford with a new opportunity, he's gonna he's gonna have a monster season.
1: All right, Harrison, give me your two. All right, so my guys that I'm most excited about who I got on my teams this year, one is Calvin Ridley for Atlanta. I think he's going to have a huge season now that Julio Jones is gone. I think he could actually be the number one overall wide receiver in fantasy. Uh, another guy, Darnell Mooney for the Chicago Bears, I think is going to be great as the number two receiver there. But my two guys that I'm all in on for this season, and I think drafted in pretty much every single league I think I have them in every league is the Trey area San Francisco 49ers Trey Lance and Trey Sermon I don't think they're going to be great right away but I'm keeping them on my bench and I know about you know week six seven or eight I think they're both going to take over and be absolute studs in fantasy in that offense
0: yes I th- I think Lance might be a year might be another year uh, but but the talent's there for sure and Sermon, I would lean more towards Sermon having a big year this year. Uh, but but those are, those are good ones for sure. All right, Harrison, it's been fun. Here we go. Week one, Thursday night, we kick off. Can't wait. We'll be with you next Tuesday to react, respond, overreact. Uh, and each week we'll go through the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook. So if you haven't ordered yours, check that out fantasyfootballfellowship.com uh get your league get your league to be a part of it you guys can you know add more meaning and purpose to your fantasy season Uh, Throughout the year. And so uh, we'll have fun here on the podcast. You can find us in in Apple Podcasts and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. Search Fantasy Football Fellowship. Find us on social media. Search Fantasy Football Fellowship. And we'd love to connect with you there. Uh, We do have a couple spots left in our FFF 32 League. 32 teams. That's right. You own one NFL franchise's roster. So if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you get them all. You get Mooney. You get fields. Is it Dalton? It doesn't matter. You got the team. So uh, check that out. Uh, Unpackingit.com slash fantasy. Unpackingit.com slash fantasy. All right. He's Harrison Zuckerberg. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's been awesome being with you here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. I'm a fantasy owner who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast.